You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Greetings, listeners. It is I, TV Spitzer and Farmer Dave, here once again to talk to you about the Cthulhu mythos, its books, its monsters, its unfortunate human casualties, its timeline in general, and even its tangential bits. Like the dreamlands or things of a weird nature that are Lovecraftian leanings. Once more we head into those dark woods, further feeling those malevolent forces upon us. Once again we walk down the lightless stone staircase in the middle of nowhere. You're listening to KZOM. Hey everyone, it is a book club episode. This book club episode is brought to you by... Golden Goat CBD, Curve Girl Plus Size Clothing. As always, check the show notes for links on how to get deals and free shipping on some things. All right. This episode is brought to you by California Tea House. California Tea House is a family-owned tea store where you can find some of the world's best loose-leaf tea and organic herbal tea blends. Like a fine wine, there is no comparison between fine loose leaf and common broken leaf tea bags. So, yeah, no, check them out. Check them out. They have quite a bit of pretty awesome tea collections. I'm a huge fan of their white teas. Uh, they have a tea club that you can join, but, you know, they've got green tea, black tea, white tea, oolong, that uh, robios and herbal tea. They've also got teaware. So check out California Tea House. In the show notes. This episode is brought to you by Donner. Check out the show notes to find a good deal at Donner. Like the sound of this? This is the Donner Island Delay and the really cool Donner LP that I've shown off on like Instagram. Check it out. I've got some really good summer deals and check out their snap deals as well. Use the link in the show notes to help support the show. Get yourself some cool musical instruments, maybe some patch chords. Cool. A Study in Scarlet by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, Chapter 5. Our Advertisement Brings a Visitor. Our morning's exertions had been too much for my weak health, and I was tired out in the afternoon. After Holmes' departure for the concert, I lay down upon the sofa and endeavoured to get a couple of hours' sleep. It was a useless attempt. My mind had been too much excited by all that had occurred and the strangest fancies and surmises crowded into it. Every time that I closed my eyes, I saw before me the distorted, baboon-like countenance of the murdered man. So sinister was the impression which that face had produced upon me, that I found it difficult to feel anything but gratitude for him who had removed its owner from the world. If ever human features bespoke vice of the most malignant type, they were certainly those of Enoch J. Drebber of Cleveland. Still, I recognized that justice must be done, and that the depravity of the victim was no condonement in the eyes of the law. The more I thought of it, the more extraordinary did my companion's hypothesis, that the man had been poisoned, appear. I remembered how he had sniffed his lips, and had no doubt that he had detected something which had given rise to the idea. Then again, if not poison, what had caused the man's death, since there was neither wound nor marks of strangulation? But, on the other hand, whose blood was that which lay so thickly upon the floor? There were no signs of a struggle, 
nor had the victim any weapon with which he might have wounded an antagonist as long as all these questions were unsolved i felt that sleep would be no easy matter either for holmes or myself his quiet self-confident manner convinced me that he had already formed a theory which explained all the facts though what it was i could not for an instant conjecture he was very late in returning so late that i knew that the concert could not have detained him all the time dinner was on the table before he appeared it was magnificent he said as he took his seat do you remember what darwin says about music he claims that the power of producing and appreciating it existed among the human race long before the power of speech was arrived at perhaps that is why we are so subtly influenced by it there are vague memories in our souls of those misty centuries when the world was in its childhood that's rather a broad idea i remarked one's ideas must be as broad as nature if they are to interpret nature he answered what's the matter you're not looking quite yourself this brixton road affair has upset you to tell the truth it has i said i ought to be more case hardened after my afghan experiences i saw my own comrades hacked to pieces at my wand without losing my nerve i can understand there is a mystery about this which stimulates the imagination where there is no imagination there is no horror have you seen the evening paper no it gives a fairly good account of the affair it does not mention the fact that when the man was raised up a woman's wedding ring fell upon the floor it is just as well it does not why look at this advertisement he answered i had one sent to every paper this morning immediately after the affair he threw the paper across to me and i glanced at the place indicated it was the first announcement in the found column in brixton road this morning it ran a plain gold wedding ring found in the roadway between the white hart tavern and holland grove apply dr watson 221b baker street between eight and nine this evening excuse my using your name he said if i use my own some of these dunderheads would recognize it and want to meddle in the affair now oh, that's all right i answered but supposing anyone applies i have no ring oh yes you have said he handing me one this will do very well it is almost a facsimile and who do you expect will answer this advertisement why the man in the brown coat our florid friend with the square toes if he does not come himself he will send an accomplice would he not consider it as too dangerous not at all if my view of the case is correct and i have every reason to believe that it is this man would rather risk anything than lose the ring according to my notion he dropped it while stooping over drebber's body and did not miss it at the time after leaving the house he discovered his loss and hurried back but found the police already in possession owing to his own folly in leaving the candle burning he had to pretend to be drunk in order to allay the suspicions which might have been aroused by his appearance at the gate now put yourself in that man's place on thinking the matter over it must have occurred to him that it was possible that he had lost the ring in the road after leaving the house what would he do then he would eagerly look out for the evening papers in the hope of seeing it among the articles found his eye of course would light upon this he would be overjoyed 
why should he fear a trap there would be no reason in his eyes why the finding of the ring should be connected with the murder he would come he will come you shall see him within an hour and then i asked oh you can leave me to deal with him then have you any arms i have my old service revolver and a few cartridges you had better clean it and load it he will be a desperate man and though i shall take him unawares it is as well to be ready for anything i went to my bedroom and followed his advice when i returned with the pistol the table had been cleared and holmes was engaged in his favorite occupation of scraping upon his violin the plot thickens he said as i entered i have just had an answer to my american telegram my view of the case is the correct one and that is i asked eagerly my fiddle would be the better for new strings he remarked put your pistol in your pocket when the fellow comes speak to him in an ordinary way leave the rest to me don't frighten him by looking at him too hard it is eight o'clock now i said glancing at my watch yes he will probably be here in a few minutes open the door slightly that will do now put the key on the inside thank you this is a queer old book i picked up at a stall yesterday de jure intergentes published in latin at liege in the lowlands in sixteen forty two charles head was still firm on his shoulders when this little brown-backed volume was struck off who is the printer philippe de croix whoever he may have been on the fly-leaf in very faded ink is written ex libris giliomli white i wonder who william white was some pragmatical seventeenth-century lawyer i suppose his writing has a legal twist about it here comes our man i think as he spoke there was a sharp ring at the bell sherlock holmes rose softly and moved his chair in the direction of the door we heard the servant pass along the hall and the sharp click of the latch as she opened it does dr watson live here asked a clear but rather harsh voice we could not hear the servant's reply but the door closed and someone began to ascend the stairs the footfall was an uncertain and shuffling one a look of surprise passed over the face of my companion as he listened to it it came slowly along the passage and there was a feeble tap at the door come in i cried at my summons instead of the man of violence whom we expected a very old and wrinkled woman hobbled into the apartment she appeared to be dazzled by the sudden blaze of light and after dropping a curtsey she stood blinking at us with her bleared eyes and fumbling in her pocket with nervous shaky fingers i glanced at my companion and his face had assumed such a disconsolate expression that it was all i could do to keep my countenance the old crone drew out an evening paper and pointed at our advertisement it's this as has brought me good gentleman she said dropping another curtsey a gold wedding ring in the brixton road it belongs to my girl sally as was married only this time twelve month which her husband is steward aboard a union boat and what he'd say if he come home and found her without her ring is more than i can think he being short enough at the best of times but more especially when he has the drink if it please you she went to the circus last night along with 
"'Is that her ring?' I asked. "'The Lord be thanked!' cried the old woman. "'Sally will be a glad woman this night. That's the ring!' "'And what may your address be?' I inquired, taking up a pencil. Thirteen Duncan Street, Hounds Ditch. A weary way from here.' "'The Brixton Road does not lie between any circus and Hounds Ditch,' said Sherlock Holmes sharply. The old woman faced round and looked keenly at him from her little red-rimmed eyes. "'The gentleman asked me for my address,' she said. "'Sally lives in lodgings at Three Mayfield Place, Peckham.' "'And your name is?' "'My name is Sawyer. Hers is Dennis, which Tom Dennis married her, and a smart, clean lad, too, as long as he's at sea, and no steward in the company more thought of. But when on shore, what with the women, and what with liquor shops—' "'Here is your ring, Mrs. Sawyer,' I interrupted in obedience to a sign from my companion. "'It clearly belongs to your daughter, and I am glad to be able to restore it to the rightful owner.' With many mumbled blessings and protestations of gratitude, the old crone packed it away in her pocket and shuffled off down the stairs. Sherlock Holmes sprang to his feet the moment that she was gone, and rushed into his room. He returned in a few seconds, enveloped in an ulster and a cravat. "'I'll follow her,' he said hurriedly. "'She must be an accomplice, and will lead me to him. Wait up for me.' The hall door had hardly slammed behind our visitor before Holmes had descended the stair. Looking through the window, I could see her walking feebly along the other side, while her pursuer dogged her some little distance behind. Either this whole theory is incorrect, I thought to myself, or else he would be led down to the heart of the mystery. There was no need for him to ask me to wait up for him, for I felt that sleep was impossible until I heard the result of his adventure. It was close upon nine when he set out. I had no idea how long he might be, but I sat stolidly puffing at my pipe and skipping over the pages of Henri Murger's Vie de Bohème. Ten o'clock passed, and I heard the footsteps of the maid as they pattered off to bed. Eleven, and the more stately tread of the landlady passed my door, bound for the same destination. It was close upon twelve before I heard the sharp sound of his latch-key. The instant he entered, I saw by his face that he had not been successful. Amusement and chagrin seemed to be struggling for the mastery, until the former suddenly carried the day, and he burst into a hearty laugh. "'I wouldn't have the Scotland Yarders know it for the world,' he cried, dropping into his chair. "'I have chafed them so much that they would never have let me hear the end of it. I can afford to laugh because I know that I will be even with them in the long run.' "'What is it, then?' I asked. "'Oh, I don't mind telling a story against myself. "'That creature had gone a little way "'when she began to limp and show every sign of being footsore. "'Presently she came to a halt "'and hailed a four-wheeler which was passing. "'I managed to be close to her so as to hear the address, "'but I need not have been so anxious, "'for she sang it out loud enough "'to be heard at the other side of the street.' "'Drive to 13 Duncan Street, Hounds Ditch,' she cried. "'This begins to look genuine,' I thought, "'and having seen her safely inside, I perched myself behind. "'That's an art which every detective should be an expert at. 
Well, away we rattled, and never drew rein until we reached the street in question. I hopped off before we came to the door, and strolled down the street in an easy lounging way. I saw the cab pull up. The driver jumped down, and I saw him open the door and stand expectantly. Nothing came out. When I reached him, he was groping about frantically in the empty cab, and giving vent to the finest assorted collection of oaths that ever I listened to. There was no sign or trace of his passenger, and I fear it will be some time before he gets his fare. On inquiring at number 13, we found that the house belonged to a respectable paper-hanger named Keswick, and that no one of the name either of Sawyer or Dennis had ever been heard of there. "'You don't mean to say,' I cried in amazement, "'that that tottering, feeble old woman was able to get out of the cab while it was in motion without either you or the driver seeing her.' "'Old woman be damned,' said Sherlock Holmes sharply. "'We were the old women, were so taken in. "'It must have been a young man, and an active one, too, "'besides being an incomparable actor. "'The get-up was inimitable. "'He saw that he was followed, no doubt, "'and used this means of giving me the slip. "'It shows that the man we are after is not as lonely as I imagined he was, "'but has friends who are ready to risk something for him. "'Now, doctor,' You're looking done up. Take my advice and turn in. I was certainly feeling very weary, so I obeyed his injunction. I left home seated in front of the smouldering fire, and long into the watches of the night I heard the low, melancholy wailings of his violin, and knew that he was still pondering over the strange problem which he had set himself to unravel. End of chapter 5 Thank you once again for listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. You can help show your support by going to the show notes and following any of the links that will tell you how to support the show, how to support our guests, and thank you to all of our guests who you can find in the show notes. Rate, review, subscribe, and remember, patrons get priority access to asking us questions, suggesting topics, even, I don't know... Uh, submitting stuff. Actually, you don't have to be a patron to submit anything. That's how Dave got on the show, and that's how you can get on the show, too. It's the People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. Thank you for listening. Back to the show. Hey, everyone, it's me, DB. New sponsor on the show, Clary. Glary offers a great price and better quality goods and services for music lovers. Are you looking for good prices, free shipping, 100% quality guarantee? Glary's got you covered. Guitars, bass guitars, mandolins, they've got saxophones, trumpets, drums, they've got guitar cases, amplifiers, all the stuff that you need without having to break the bank. Inexpensive doesn't have to mean cheap. Check out the show notes to find more about Glary. 20-watt amplifiers for under $50. Hard cases for your electric guitar for under $80. Guitars themselves for under $90. Come on, folks, check out the show notes. Get a Glary. Tingling, nerve shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. 
you won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Here are your hosts, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic, and sometimes not-so-classic, monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival, Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the Head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster Kid Radio! You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Chapter 6. Tobias Gregson Shows What He Can Do The papers next day were full of the Brixton mystery, as they termed it. Each had a long account of the affair, and some had leaders upon it in addition. There was some information in them which was new to me. I still retain in my scrapbook numerous clippings and extracts bearing upon the case. Here is a condensation of a few of them. The Daily Telegraph remarked that in the history of crime, there had seldom been a tragedy which presented stranger features. The German name of the victim, the absence of all other motive, and the sinister inscription on the wall all pointed to its perpetration by political refugees and revolutionists. The socialists had many branches in America, and the deceased had, no doubt, infringed their unwritten laws and been tracked down by them. After alluding airily to the Wehmgericht, Aquatofana, Cabanari, the Marchioness de Brimvilliers, the Darwinian theory, the principles of Malthus, and the Ratcliffe Highway murders, the article concluded by admonishing the government and advocating a closer watch over foreigners in England. The Standard commented upon the fact that lawless outrages of the sort usually occurred under a liberal administration. They arose from the unsettling of the minds of the masses and the consequent weakening of all authority. The deceased was an American gentleman who had been residing for some weeks in the metropolis. He had stayed at the boarding house of Madame Charpentier in Torquay Terrace, Camberwell. He was accompanied in his travels by his private secretary, Mr. Joseph Stangerson. The two bade adieu to their landlady upon Tuesday the 4th inst, and departed to Euston Station with the avowed intention of catching the Liverpool Express. They were afterwards seen together upon the platform. Nothing more is known of them until Mr. Drever's body was, as recorded, discovered in an empty house in the Brixton Road, many miles from Euston. How he came there, or how he met his fate, are questions which are still involved in mystery. Nothing is known of the whereabouts of Stangerson. We are glad to learn that Mr. Lestrade and Mr. Gregson of Scotland Yard are both engaged upon the case and it is confidentially anticipated that these well-known officers will speedily throw light upon the matter. The Daily News observed that there was no doubt as to the crime being a political one. 
the despotism and hatred of liberalism which animated the continental governments had had the effect of driving to our shores a number of men who might have made excellent citizens were they not soured by the recollection of all that they had undergone among these men there was a stringent code of honor any infringement of which was punished by death every effort should be made to find the secretary stangerson and to ascertain some particulars of the habits of the deceased a great step had been gained by the discovery of the address of the house at which he had boarded a result which was entirely due to the acuteness and energy of mr gregson of scotland yard sherlock holmes and i read these notices over together at breakfast and they appeared to afford him considerable amusement i told you that whatever happened lestrade and gregson would be sure to score that depends on how it turns out oh bless you it doesn't matter in the least if the man is caught it will be on account of their exertions if he escapes it will be in spite of their exertions it's heads i win and tails you lose whatever they do they will have followers and so trouve toujours un plus so qu'il admire what on earth is this i cried for at this moment there came the pattering of many steps in the hall and on the stairs accompanied by audible expressions of disgust upon the part of our landlady it's the baker street division of the detective police force said my companion gravely and as he spoke there rushed into the room half a dozen of the dirtiest and most ragged street arabs that ever i clapped eyes on tension cried holmes in a sharp tone and the six dirty little scoundrels stood in a line like so many disreputable statuettes in future you shall send up wiggins alone to report and the rest of you must wait in the street have you found it wiggins no sir we hain't said one of the youths i hardly expected you would you must keep on until you do here are your wages he handed each of them a shilling now off you go and come back with a better report next time he waved his hand and they scampered away downstairs like so many rats and we heard their shrill voices next moment in the street there's more work to be got out of one of those little beggars than out of a dozen of the force holmes remarked the mere sight of an official-looking person seals men's lips these youngsters however go everywhere and hear everything they are as sharp as needles too all they want is organization is it on this brixton case that you're employing them i asked yes there is a point which i wish to ascertain it is merely a matter of time hello we're going to hear some news now with a vengeance here is gregson coming down the road with beatitude written upon every feature of his face bound for us i know yes he is stopping there he is there was a violent peal at the bell and in a few seconds the fair-haired detective came up the stairs three steps at a time and burst into our sitting-room my dear fellow he cried wringing holmes unresponsive hand congratulate me i have made the whole thing as clear as day a shade of anxiety seemed to me to cross my companion's expressive face do you mean that you are on the right track he asked the right track why sir we have the man under lock and key and his name is arthur charpentier sub-lieutenant in her majesty's navy 
cried gregson pompously rubbing his fat hands and inflating his chest sherlock holmes gave a sigh of relief and relaxed into a smile take a seat and try one of these cigars he said we are anxious to know how you managed it will you have some whisky and water i don't mind if i do the detective answered the tremendous exertions which i have gone through during the last day or two have worn me out not so much bodily exertion you understand as the strain upon the mind you will appreciate that mr sherlock holmes for we are both brain workers you do me too much honour said holmes gravely let us hear how you arrived at this most gratifying result the detective seated himself in the armchair and puffed complacently at his cigar then suddenly he slapped his thigh in a paroxysm of amusement <laughs> the fun of it is he cried that that fool lestrade who thinks himself so smart has gone off upon the wrong track altogether he's after the secretary stangerson who had no more to do with the crime than the babe unborn i have no doubt that he has caught him by this time the idea tickled gregson so much that he laughed until he choked and how did you get your clue <laughs> i'll tell you about it of course dr watson this is strictly between ourselves the first difficulty which we had to contend with was the finding of this american's antecedents some people would have waited until their advertisements were answered or until parties came forward and volunteered information that is not tobias gregson's way of going to work you remember the hat beside the dead man yes said holmes by john underwood and sons 129 camberwell road gregson looked quite crestfallen i had no idea that you noticed that he said have you been there no ha cried gregson in a relieved voice you should never neglect a chance however small it may seem to a great mind nothing is little remarked holmes sententiously well i went to underwood and asked him if he had sold a hat of that size and description he looked over his books and came on it at once he had sent the hat to a mr drebber residing at charpentier's boarding establishment torquay terrace thus i got at his address smart very smart murmured sherlock holmes i next called upon madame charpentier continued the detective i found her very pale and distressed her daughter was in the room an uncommonly fine girl she is too she was looking red about the eyes and her lips trembled as i spoke to her that didn't escape my notice i began to smell a rat you know the feeling mr sherlock holmes when you come upon the right scent a kind of thrill in your nerves have you heard of the mysterious death of your late boarder mr enoch j drebber of cleveland i asked the mother nodded she didn't seem able to get out a word the daughter burst into tears i felt more than ever that these people knew something of the matter at what o'clock did dr drebber leave your house for the train i asked at eight o'clock she said gulping in her throat to keep down her agitation his secretary mr stangerson said that there were two trains one at nine fifteen and one at eleven he was to catch the first 
and was that the last which you saw of him a terrible change came over the woman's face as i asked the question her features turned perfectly livid it was some seconds before she could get out the single word yes and when it did come it was in a husky unnatural tone there was silence for a moment and when the daughter spoke in a calm clear voice no good can ever come of falsehood mother she said let us be frank with this gentleman we did see mr drebber again god forgive you cried madame charpentier throwing up her arms and sinking back in her chair you have murdered your brother arthur would rather that we spoke the truth the girl answered firmly you had best tell me all about it now i said off confidences are worse than none besides you do not know how much we know of it on your head be it alice cried her mother and then turning to me i will tell you all sir do not imagine that my agitation on behalf of my son arises from any fear lest he should have had a hand in this terrible affair he is utterly innocent of it my dread is however that in your eyes and in the eyes of others he may appear to be compromised that however is surely impossible his eye character his profession his antecedents would all forbid it your best way is to make a clean breast of the facts i answered depend upon it if your son is innocent he will be none the worse perhaps alice you had better leave us together she said and her daughter withdrew now sir she continued i had no intention of telling you all this but since my poor daughter has disclosed it i have no alternative having once decided to speak i will tell you all without omitting any particular it is your wisest course said i mr drebber has been with us nearly three weeks he and his secretary mr stangerson have been travelling on the continent i noticed a copenhagen label upon each of their trunks showing that that had been their last stopping place stangerson was a quiet reserved man but his employer i am sorry to say was far otherwise he was coarse in his habits and brutish in his ways the very night of his arrival he became very much the worse for drink and indeed after twelve o'clock in the day he could hardly ever be said to be sober his manners towards the maid-servants were disgustingly free and familiar worst of all he speedily assumed the same attitude towards my daughter alice and spoke to her more than once in a way which fortunately she is too innocent to understand on one occasion he actually seized her in his arms and embraced her an outrage which caused his own secretary to reproach him for his unmanly conduct but why did you stand all this i asked i suppose that you can get rid of your boarders when you wish mrs charpentier blushed at my pertinent question would to god that i had given him notice on the very day that he came she said but it was a sore temptation they were paying a pound a day each fourteen pounds a week and this is a slack season i'm a widow and my boy in the navy has cost me much i grudge to lose the money i acted for the best this last was too much however and i gave him notice to leave on account of it that was the reason of his going well my heart grew light when i saw him drive away my son is on leave just now but i did not tell him anything of all this 
for his temper is violent and he is passionately fond of his sister when i closed the door behind them a load seemed to be lifted from my mind alas in less than an hour there was a ring at the bell and i learned that mr drebber had returned he was much excited and evidently the worse for drink he forced his way into the room where i was sitting with my daughter and made some incoherent remark about having missed his train he then turned to alice and before my very face proposed to her that she should fly with him you were of age he said and there is no law to stop you i have money enough and to spare never mind the old girl here but come along with me now straight away you shall live like a princess poor alice was so frightened that she shrunk away from him but he caught her by the wrist and endeavoured to draw her towards the door i screamed and at that moment my son arthur came into the room what happened then i do not know i heard oaths and the confused sounds of a scuffle i was too terrified to raise my head when i did look up i saw arthur standing in the doorway laughing with a stick in his hand i don't think that fine fellow will trouble us again he said i'll just go after him and see what he does with himself with those words he took his hat and started off down the street the next morning we heard of mr drebber's mysterious death this statement came from mrs charpentier's lips with many gasps and pauses at times she spoke so low that i could hardly catch the words i made shorthand notes of all that she said however so that there should be no possibility of a mistake it's quite exciting said sherlock holmes with a yawn what happened next when mrs charpentier paused the detective continued i saw that the whole case hung upon one point fixing her with my eye in a way which i always found effective with women i asked her at what hour her son returned i do not know she answered not know no he has a latch-key and he let himself in after you went to bed yes when did you go to bed about eleven so your son was gone at least two hours yes possibly four or five yes what was he doing during that time i do not know she answered turning white to her very lips of course after that there was nothing more to be done i found out where lieutenant charpentier was took two officers with me and arrested him when i touched him on the shoulder and warned him to come quietly with us he answered us as bold as brass i suppose you're arresting me for being concerned in the death of that scoundrel drebber he said we had said nothing to him about it so that his alluding to it had a most suspicious aspect very said holmes he still carried the heavy stick which the mother prescribed as having with him when he followed drebber it was a stout oak cudgel um what is your theory then well my theory is that he followed drebber as far as the brixton road when there a fresh altercation arose between them in the course of which drebber received a blow from the stick in the pit of the stomach perhaps which killed him without leaving any mark the night was so wet that no one was about so charpentier dragged the body of his victim into the empty house as to the candle and the blood and the writing on the wall and the ring they may all be so many tricks to throw the police onto the wrong scent well done said holmes in an encouraging voice really gregson 
you are getting along we shall make something of you yet i flatter myself that i have managed it rather neatly the detective answered proudly the young man volunteered a statement in which he said that after following drebber some time the latter perceived him and took a cab in order to get away from him on his way home he met an old shipmate and took a long walk with him on being asked where this old shipmate lived he was unable to give any satisfactory reply i think the old case fits together uncommonly well what amuses me is to think of lestrade who started off on the wrong scent i'm afraid he won't make much of why by jove he's the very man himself it was indeed lestrade who had ascended the stairs while we were talking and who now entered the room the assurance and jauntiness which generally marked his demeanour and dress were however wanting his face was disturbed and troubled while his clothes were disarranged and untidy he had evidently come with the intention of consulting with sherlock holmes for on perceiving his colleague he appeared to be embarrassed and put out he stood in the centre of the room fumbling nervously with his hat and uncertain what to do this is a most extraordinary case he said at last a most incomprehensible affair ah oh, you find it so mr lestrade cried gregson triumphantly i thought you would come to that conclusion have you managed to find the secretary mr joseph stangerson the secretary mr joseph stangerson said lestrade gravely was murdered at alliday's private hotel about six o'clock this morning end of chapter six Do you like the TV series Tales from the Crypt? Are you interested in full episode and movie reviews from Tales from the Crypt? This podcast is for you. The Good Evening Kitties podcast, where I, Melissa, your ghostess with the mostest, recap every episode with special guests and bonus horror movie reviews. The Good Evening Kitties podcast can be found on most podcast platforms. Check it out today. Once again, for listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, you can help show your support by going to the show notes and following any of the links that'll tell you how to support the show, how to support our guests, and thank you to all of our guests who you can find in the show notes. Rate, review, subscribe, and remember, patrons get priority access to asking us questions, suggesting topics, even, I don't know, uh submitting stuff actually you don't have to be a patron to submit anything that's how dave got on the show and that's how you can get on the show too it's the people's guide to the cthulhu mythos rate review subscribe tell your friends thank you for listening back to the show